Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 10, Ecclesiastes, the State of Society. Just wanted to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. It's my wife's favorite book, and I, I like two particular passages in there that I wanted to share with you. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes really mirrors a lot of what we see in our society today. And society is a little bit crazy. If you've been awake for the last 10 years, you've seen it get progressively worse and worse to the corruption in the governments, to the corruption in the public schools, to the LGBTQ community pushing everything, you know, even Amazon sending you their flags on their packages and things like that. You can't, you're, you're being assaulted by wrong thinking, evil and sin everywhere you go. And you, you even have orchestrated events like the destruction of our economy with the COVID mandates, the masks, the vaccines, which they knew were killing people and causing heart problems, to people losing their jobs over it, their entire careers like I did, to the chemical spills in Ohio and around the country. In case you weren't aware, there's been over a dozen of those chemical spills and natural or biohazard disasters uh, around the country in just the last three months to the killing of all, all the food, the the eggs, the chickens, the cows, where they, they put to death millions of them across our country and the food plants that are being exploded and burning down and just the assault on our way of life and freedom and everything that is terrible and going on in our society, not to mention the Epstein's Island and, and the pedophiles in government and, and the southern border and so on and so forth. And it's very easy to get depressed and to think that this it's never been worse and, and I, I don't know how I'm going to go on and things are so expensive and how am I going to get by and, and so on. So Ecclesiastes is actually a really good book to read and to dig into. And it's, it's a big book. There's 12 chapters. There's a lot to dig into. So I can only really give you a quick summary in one of these podcasts. What we're going to do is we're going to cover the basics of the book of Ecclesiastes, how that applies to society today, and then my two favorite parts of it. So uh, you'll get a little bit of an idea of what the book is about and then uh, some hope for the future. And um, the conclusion of the whole matter on, and, and what should we should worry about and not worry about, uh, which spoiler alert, the Bible says not to worry that we're supposed to give cast our cares upon God, because what man can by worrying add an inch or two to his stature, like worrying doesn't actually accomplish anything. It does nothing but cause you stress and problems, right? So that's your spoiler. Don't worry, but let's look at some of the verses in Ecclesiastes as to why and, and what uh, this was all about. So first of all, I wanted to look at who wrote it. Solomon, uh, it's proposed to people, different scholars think that he wrote at different times in his life and then compiled it all together. So you'll see different attitudes at the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes versus at the end. Now we don't know, he doesn't say when he wrote this, but King Solomon wrote this um, it was uh, in First Kings chapter 3, he is uh, described as the wisest king, and God gave him that wisdom. God imparted that wisdom to him. And then as an example, 
there's one thing that they use. Uh, he was, as the king, he was kind of like the Supreme Court. And so he was the final judgment or arbiter of uh, justice when it couldn't be resolved in other ways at other levels of the kingdom. So in 1 Kings 3.16, you'll hear the famous story, if you read that, about the baby. The, the two mothers uh, that had a child, one of them died. Uh, the evil mother switched her dead baby with the live baby of the other woman. And she woke up and realized it wasn't her baby that was lying in her arms that was dead. And so they, they had this fight, this squabble, and, and, and couldn't resolve it. And so they brought it to the king. And the king's like, I've got the solution. Bring me a sword. We're going to cut the baby in half and give each of you half of, half of the child. And, and then that way you both have an equal amount. Of course, the mother of the living child was horrified. And she's like, no, no, please don't just let the other woman have the child. I don't want the baby dead. The evil woman who didn't care because her baby was already dead was like, okay, cut him in half. Obviously, King Solomon was able to determine which one was the real mother and give her the baby and then punish the other woman. That was an example of King Solomon's wisdom, which was astonishing to the people of the time. They're like, why, how, who would ever think of cutting a baby in half to figure out who the real mother is, right? So if, if you look at what he wrote, the first thing in Ecclesiastes that King Solomon talks about is the fact that everything is vanity, it's, it's selfishness. It doesn't mean anything. It, it, it's pointless. Life itself, right? So if you look in Ecclesiastes 1.1, 1, 1, uh, he says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So the son of David that was king was Solomon. So he's telling you who he is. And he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Basically, you're going to eventually die. All of your hard work for your entire life is going to pass away and the earth is going to move on and nobody's going to remember you. It's pointless. And then in chapter two, starting in verse 14, he says, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then I said in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dies the wise man? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. So he's starting out here in chapter 1 and 2 talking about how life is pointless. We all end up dying. And then nobody remembers us. Eventually our, all our hard work is for nothing. It doesn't last. What's the point? Right? So you can see depression starting here, right? And then you look at uh, verse 18. He says, uh, Yea, I have hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. So someone's going to inherit everything that I've done. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. And then he also mentions the fact that evil people 
destined to prosper in this world, Ecclesiastes 8.10. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had done, they had so done. This is also vanity. So evil people appeared to be holy. And after they were done, dead and gone, people forgot about them. So who cares if they were evil? Verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So people aren't punished for doing evil. He saw this in his day, which is like 400 BC or something like that. And then verse 12, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well within the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, where, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men, unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. In other words, good people have evil things happen to them. And then he continues, again, there be wicked men, to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. So, evil people receive good things, have a good life. Evil people prosper in this world, and good, righteous people tend to suffer. He's like, throw up my hands. This is stupid. It's all vanity. Why even bother? Right? And you can see that today. You can see evil people prosper all the time. The richest people in the world, many of them, most of them are very evil and do evil things with their money. Like the whole Clinton family, murderers. They just had like the 67th close associate to their family uh, die. Like one of Clinton, Bill Clinton's advisors just died here in 2023, shot in the head, strangled at a park, no gun to be found, and they call it suicide. And the Clintons get away with it. Do you know anybody who has had over 67 of their close friends commit suicide or die mysterious deaths? I would venture to say that Clintons are the only family in the entire known universe that has had that happen. Why? Because they're probably guilty of murder multiple times and they prosper. God's not judging them in this life, right? And Solomon is, had seen things like that in his time. Evil people got rich. The poor people were some of the most righteous people that he knew. You know, I'm, I'm just supposing here. But he clearly saw the same sort of things that we see today. And we wonder, like, why? Why, why is there no punishment for the evil ones? Why, like the January 6th thing. Why are there 400 or so... American citizens in jail, not charged with a crime, not being given a trial for over two years in prison, separated for their families. And now all the videos have finally come out to prove that they were not violent, that they were given free reign and walked peacefully inside the Capitol with cops around them. And they did nothing wrong. And the people that put them in prison over two years ago saw those videos two years ago, knew that they were innocent and have kept them in prison, separated from their families for two years. 
how are these good, innocent people being being treated so evilly, ripped apart from their families and the financial problems of not having a job and being in prison for two years? Where does your family live? What's what's happening with all of those people in America, the, the land of the free, the home of the brave? Why is evil prospering and good being punished in this country? That's the question. Well, this is what he intends to answer here in the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is, I love this book. You need to listen to the end of this because there's a lot of hope in here. And it's really fun to actually read. Let's look at some of the other things that King Solomon mentioned here in the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 7, he contrasts the difference between wisdom and folly. Chapter 7, verse 5, he says, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. And then in verse 9, he says, Be not hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So these are he's giving us little proverbs, little bits of wisdom to help us through our life, right? After he said, well, life sucks, it's all vanity, right? So now he's trying to explain what is good and how to get through this terrible life or this empty life that is meaningless. So there's a lot of Proverbs in here, and I'm skipping through the chapters, of course, to pick out some of the verses that I like. But you do well to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes and actually study some of it. Verse 10 says, uh, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Nostalgia may be good only for those brief moments of nostalgia. I remember, you know, when I did this or that, it was good stuff. So don't live in the past. The former days were better. That doesn't matter. That's pointless. That's not wise to do. And then verse 11 says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense. So having wisdom is key, a primary thing in life. And money is a defense. Therefore, you should probably work, invest, save for the future, have assets, do what you can to have money because it's a defense against the bad things in this life. It's very interesting that that money is brought up here because it is important how you use your money, how you spend, and that you don't get into debt. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight, which he hath made crooked? In the days of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. This is in the King James Version, so it may sound a little bit weird. But he's saying, God gives you both prosperous days, happy days, and evil days, poor days, the days of adversity problems, trials, tribulations, right? So when you have problems, when you are in a tough time, consider that God allows both in your life. Who are you to blame God? Because what are you going to do? Are you going to blame God when he gives you prosperity and joyful days? No, I don't think any of us get mad at God and blame him for letting good things happen to us, right? So when bad things happen to us when God allows mistakes or Satan to attack us or whatever may happen in your life. We don't blame, we should not blame God for that. God gives us both good and bad. So we need to accept both. 
So you can read the book of Job too. That has some cool stuff in it. But 7 verse 15 says, All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There's a just man that perisheth in his righteousness. And there's a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Again, good people die. Bad people live long. Right? We see that. We see that all the time. Be not righteous over much, neither make yourself overwise. Why should you destroy yourself? In other words, don't be prideful. Don't, don't seek wisdom so much that you want to be the smartest man alive and that's the only thing that matters to you, right? Because you are going to stress yourself out and destroy yourself and, and get rid of all the good things in your life in that drive to become the smartest at whatever. Not that being smart is bad, but don't be overwise. Do not make that your sole desire. And then he contrasts that with be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should you die before your time? In your youth, you may be foolish. You may make mistakes. Why would you not temper that with wisdom so that you don't do such foolishness that either you make a mistake and die before your time and have an accident or God strikes you dead because you've been so wicked? There's a caution there. There's, there's the tempering, the wisdom and the foolishness of youth, and so on. And then I really like uh, chapter 9, where he gives um, a lot of advice. Number one, he tells us that death comes to us all. So be ready. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 2, All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices, to him that sacrifices not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that swears as he that fears an oath or makes promises. This is an evil among all things that are done under the, under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. So basically he's saying everybody dies, right? But as long as you are alive, there is hope. Solomon was wise and he understood the reality of his time, which is similar to our time. And so he acknowledges that, but he shows us a lot of beautiful things in here. So number one, death comes to us all, but while you are alive, there's hope. Ecclesiastes 9, 4, for to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. No matter what your state is for a living dog is better than a dead lion. No matter how bad you have it, no matter how weak you are, no matter how depressed you are, if you are alive, you have hope. And then Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. So he says, have fun. Be cheerful in your youth. Enjoy your life, right? But understand that God will judge you. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7. Go your way. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let your garments be always white and let your head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. 
For that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor, which thou hast taken under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So in modern terms, here's what he's saying. Go, enjoy your bread and your wine, and have a merry heart, for God has accepted you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has accepted you. Be happy. Drink wine. Yes, the Bible says it's okay to drink wine just to be happy. Now, in other places, it says don't be drunk with wine, so be careful with that. Anyways, and then he says, put on your perfume. Put on your white clothes. Live joyfully with your wife, which God has given you for all the days of your life, even though your life is just vanity. But he says your work, everything that you do, you should enjoy it with your family in everything that you do, because after you die, it's all gone. So why not enjoy it while you have it, right? God has given it to you for a reason to bless you and to bless your family and to bless others, to be generous, right? So enjoy the things that God has given you, the life that you have. And a lot of Christians, a lot of believers in, in Jesus Christ lose that aspect of it. They, they haven't found the joy of God and they're not content with the little things that they have at the moment. I mean, shoot today, my, my daughter was playing out in the driveway on her little scooter. Um, you know, just rolling along, going up and down the driveway with her friend. And it was nice and sunny outside. I'm getting over being sick. I still got kind of a sore throat. Uh, my wife wasn't feeling good. Uh, my other daughter had hit herself in her bedroom and was just staying away from the family. But you know what? It was a good moment. And I looked at my wife and I told her that. I'm like, look, it's sunny outside and our daughter's laughing and having fun. There's no harm to us. We're sitting here and enjoying life. Revel in the peaceful moments, even if it's only for a minute. Enjoy the laughter, the mirth, the joy of life that God has given to you. And then go back to the drudgery of maybe your job and having to pay the bills and having to fix the things around the house. And, you know, that's fine, but enjoy the moments. My favorite passage in Ecclesiastes is uh, chapter 3. Verse one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. God is not against killing. He's against murder. There's a difference. There's a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. See, there's the right time to be sad and depressed, but not always because there will come a time to dance. And then verse five, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose. Think of Job. He spent his life building up his businesses, having seven sons and daughters, lost it all, right? He enjoyed the time he had, then he lost it. Continuing, it says there is a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war 
and a time of peace for a believer in Jesus Christ, war is acceptable. There is a time for war. There is also a time for a wise person to recognize that they can make peace, right? I just love that. The, the, the fact that everything in its season, that is my favorite portion of Ecclesiastes. Don't tell me that I have to be a pacifist and never fight because God tells us in multiple places that you can be angry and fight. Now we'll get into that another time. I think we'll do another podcast specifically on how to recognize that and when to fight. But we're talking real physical violence. You know, Solomon was a king who went to war. His father, King David, they sung songs about him killing 10,000s of people. So there there's lots of things in here. Like I said, you can really dig deep into this and find all kinds of things. But there is a time to be sad. There is a time to be happy. There is a time to be depressed at the way the world is. It might be fleeting. You need to understand that you cannot dwell on that. And there is a time to be joyful and to dance. So enjoy your youth, enjoy your family, and understand that while there is life, there is hope. And God will give you joy even in the little things. Maybe like I said today, my daughter laughed. You know what? That's a fun sound. Freaking enjoy it, right? So the conclusion in the book of Ecclesiastes is number one, he says, in your youth, Ecclesiastes 12 verse one says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Don't be so full of yourself and your vain life and your selfishness and your wants and desires that you forget that there's a God. You will be judged for everything you do, right? And understand that throughout your whole life, we will meet God in the next life. We have an eternal soul. So you always have that hope. Verse seven says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, our bodies, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. This is awesome. That hope that no matter how bad life is, number one, while you're alive, enjoy the moments and you have hope, right? That you can survive this horrible time that you're going through and that you will maybe next week or next month or next year, maybe you will have a time of dancing and mirth and joy. So everything, this too shall pass. Everything will eventually pass. And if you don't survive this horrible time and you die, guess what? You have an eternal soul. You're going to go to heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, oh, the worst that could happen to me is all my suffering ends here and I go to heaven. Sweet. I can handle that. The whole point of Ecclesiastes is telling you be wise in this life. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 9 and 10 says, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs, which I talked about some of them. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. Be wise in this life, seek out truth, and seek to share your knowledge like Solomon did in this book. And then the, the cool thing here is at the very end, you know, everyone says, well, what do we do about the evil in the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, my life sucks and so on. Chapter 12, verse 13 and 14 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. 
All the little things don't matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's your whole duty. And the last verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So we don't have to worry when we see evil prosper in this world. We know that they're going to get what they deserve. They're going to be judged. Leave that to God. Our conclusion, our duty is to just try and keep his commandments because we know there is a God and we need to act accordingly. So I hope this helps a little bit. I hope it enlightened you a little bit on the book of Ecclesiastes. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and Ecclesiastes chapter 12 are my two favorite chapters in this book. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, even the little tidbits about drinking wine to be merry. And then the importance of living your life to the fullest. And sharing your life with your loved ones like the wife that God gave you for all the days of your vain life that are going to be gone like the wind, right? There, there's so much cool stuff in this book and, and, and full of hope. It's an acknowledgement of the evil and the inconsistencies in the bad times, but it's full of hope and wisdom and proverbs on how to get through it all. So I encourage you to read it and I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, may God bless you all.